Good afternoon, everyone. It's episode 562 of Office Hours, created by the incredible Mike Diamond and myself. Before COVID, that's how long this show's been going. Uh, and we are blessed today, Mike Diamond in the rough, uh, to have our two new friends, Aaron Lopez and Lisa Cox. Uh, we have not found yet. It's uh, MIA, Michael Unbroken, but he's we invite him to join if he's he's listening. No, he just texted me. He said he didn't have the link, so I just texted him the link. <laughs> so it's okay. Nice. It's okay. Nothing <laughs> like waiting till 3.02 to get the link. Uh, but that's what this show great is it's incredibly versatile and authentic in its uh, nature. And you talked about raising the bar by having these two friends of ours join us. We certainly are blessed. And the topic and subject matter for today is something that I'm super interested in because uh, I'm let the guy in here. Here, here we go. Uh, super interested in, uh, I think the biggest energy suck right now is between I am and what I want people to think I am. And within that uh, idea of this void shortage and obstacle that we're creating for not only ourselves, but even more importantly, our children, who, by the way, keeps giving Mike Diamond sickness, uh, and uh, hopefully he'll protect himself from these kids. More importantly, in the context of I am becomes decisions. Um, and we need to look for clues and patterns in order to make the appropriate choice of I am and these two wonderful women have created a book called I Decide. And I think we neglect the decision-making process in I Am to bring the best out of ourselves or to clear the interference between us and our potential. Uh, so first, I'd like to welcome our two friends, Aaron Lopez and Lisa Cox, to Office Hours. Hello. So Thank glad you. to be awesome. here. So you guys are awesome. I just wanted, and Mike, I'm broken. Good to see you. Are you in Las Vegas by chance? I am back, brother. I'm here. And I'm disappointed I haven't hugged you yet. You're yes. in Vegas right now. So hopefully I'll be oh. able to see you. I did a meetup at In-N-Out Burger. I was hoping you'd show up. But nobody, ah, told I know I, nobody told me. Story of my All life, right, David. Anyways. Yeah, Let's just get into the I guest. This is going to get weird. All right, big question. The big start after the, the formidable delay. Um, how do you reconcile decision-making in I am or my potential? How do we reconcile it? I, I feel like for us, how, how we have approached this with our book and with our podcast and things that we're doing is we just know that the more stories that we can get out there to the world and share with people of their moment where they had kind of that day of disgust where they're they're going to into the um you know i i might have been believing this is who i am but i know it's not true and i need to make this strong decision i need to move forward i need to change my life and so we in our businesses kept seeing these people just getting in their own way over and over until they had that moment. And, and for many, it was many moments that led to the day where they finally made that decision. And so our journey and our mission was um, to actually, and it happened in Las Vegas, funny that you guys are all there right now. We were at a Tony Robbins, a private event. It was very, very special. And Aaron and I were just really grateful to be in the room. And we've been working on just like a passion project idea around this. And this just came to us that we just need to share these stories. We just need to get these stories out there where people can then find the story that relates to them. 
and put themselves at that moment where they can make their change. Add to that? No, she doesn't. <laughs> okay. no. I didn't want to like because it's twenty. How can you yeah. add perfection, Mike? It's an infinite. They're a team. In it's like she might want to add to that. I'm a general. She wants to share. Share some more stories about it. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I think that's the, the the beauty of it, right? I mean, is I think there we're we have all these preconceived notions of who we're supposed to be, who we think we are, um, you know, and who we want to be, and our our mission really of spreading this and, and paying it forward is really helping to inspire people to make that decision. You know, you know, draw that line in the sand, you know, decide really what is it that you want to become, who, who to be. And, you know, we've had a blast doing this, you know, of there's so many stories that were shared, so many more to come. Um, but, but that's the, that's the awesome part about it is like, this is, you know, it, it relates to everybody, you know, at any season of their life. Absolutely. So here's a question. I love stories. I got sober in identifying attraction over promotion. Other addicts have what I wanted. I decided then I wanted sobriety. The story is the most compelling thing. But we all know that a lot of people go to these Tony's Robbins events and they say, I'm going to change my life. I'm making the decision. They take zero action. Mm -hmm. So how do you then teach people and coach people to not procrastinate? to lean into that because it's 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. So do you go into that? Because everyone's like, I'm 2024, this is my year. And you're like, you're doing the same stuff. You decided yeah. to do what? You know, so how do you, do, can you talk about that? Yes, oh my gosh, amen. That's the biggest problem in the whole world. Oh, I got New Year's resolutions, all this crap. Oh, I'm gonna change, I'm excited to Tony Robbins, I leave and I do nothing. You know, we, we have we have tools and tips that we've given in in our book, but also we're really excited about the fact we're writing a, a digital a digital class on how to get unstuck in ten days, and literally we walk people through the processes of actionable steps. You know, things that we can track and and how to actually dig deep into themselves to you know sort of face reality is what we're trying to get them to do and then also to walk through in this class we're walking them through the different steps that they can do to make their change and to to also teach them that it's not going to be a perfect science i mean i didn't make it well i mean and you know i say this for where i am in my life we're all at different levels I didn't make it to my level of success of where I am today without falling down a thousand times. And so we teach them that in a big way, like it's okay to fall back. It's okay to stumble. It's how fast you get back up and it's where we can take you from there. And so we really do try and give them actionable movements and steps in the book and, 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 um, in the class, but one more thing, and then I'll pass to you, Aaron. Sorry. Um, the thing I get so excited about too is the fact that the stories that we're hearing and, and able to share um, on the pod, you know, people have so many stories about how they do it. So we ask them, tell us how you actually put this, how, how did you execute this? Because we know you can say, I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to stop drinking, I'm going to stop doing drugs. We have an incredible story about a woman that was addicted to painkillers and what she did and what got her there, how she had that inner strength to do it. And um, it's powerful, it just, it's, it's incredible. And then we're just hoping and praying that everybody out there that hears it could find one little nugget that they go, oh my gosh, that's me. I can do it too. If she can do it, I can do it. So. 
Aaron, I mean, so yeah, no, <laughs> you, you know, you guys, I mean, your question is like so on point. And I think, you know, we all love hearing stories, but at the end of the day, what do I do next? And, and that's really why we're, we're trying to like keep the steps moving and forward. And, you know, it's, it's a process. I mean, it's an everyday process. So, you know, we're, we're trying to be raw and honest with people that, you know, here we are. <coughs> Excuse me. I hit the <laughs> leave button instead of the mute button. That was sweet. <laughs> now Mike's muted. All right. Well, now that we've told the story of Michael Unbroken, Tony Robbins, World Venture, now he's here <laughs> for 2024. You are the prime candidate for the pod and the book, my friend. What do you got for us? Yeah, thanks, man. It's exciting to be back. Um, I love the book. I love what you guys are doing. I think it's incredibly important. Mike hit the question I was going to ask, but you know, I, I think that one of the things in this growth journey, none of us are ever where we want to be, right? And if you and if you look at that, that's actually really powerful because it gives you the opportunity for more potential. But people get trapped in their own potential due to fear. And and my theory is that more people are afraid of success than they are of failure. So how do we get people moving towards pleasure instead of away from pain? I think that we get comfortable and I think that, you know, when we're, we're in our level of comfort zone, like we're trying to pull people out of their comfort zone and we're trying to teach them and give them tools and, and the ability to be able to say, you know, there is more out there. So I think it's the, I think it's the fact of being honest. I think 95% of people wouldn't be able to admit that, you know, that, you know, this is where I am, but I want more, but I don't know how to get more, but I don't even know what to do. So I, I think it's the, it's the ability to really pull it out of people. So you know, they have a clear vision of where they want to go. And that's, that's the layers that I think through with people is, you know, where are you now? Where do you want to be? And, and, and all of the stuff in between really. You, you know, talk uh, about our book ahead, about oh, Sorry, David. We, yeah, go we, ahead. Talk, I'm sorry. <laughs> we talk in our book about uh, scar tissue and we also try and walk people through their scar tissue and um, people have financial scar tissue with the way they spend money as an adult versus, you know, what happened to them as a child. They also have emotional scar tissue um, for the way they were treated when they were younger. And I think that a lot of that um, that conversation needs to be had with people about what they're bringing with them into today that they could leave behind and and why is it still you're letting it affect you and so we we talk about that and we go through that a lot and we've had a couple guests already on our podcast that have shared with us some different psychological ways to help them get through that and to to work through it and a lot of it from what i've noticed so far is just the realization that i am bringing this with me and i don't need to i'm better than that and i can do what i want to do but it's a matter of um letting them kind of work through it and, and walking them through that. So we try and do that in the book and share really good information on, um, you know, on the, the scar tissues that can happen in different areas of our life. And I think the challenge, whether it's with your book or your pod, and I think I'm going to use this for my own session, if that's okay. Uh, although I'd be happy to swap podcasts more with Mike and Mike and all of us is when you put yourself in that position of I decide or I am, we want things more for people than they want for themselves. So I can see it in both of you that with Mike Diamond's question that resonated with you, and it was a similar question to Michael Unbroken that he was going to present, comes this idea of like, 
shit, it's so frustrating because I end up in a position, bad enough being a parent, which naturally puts us in a position that we want more for our kids than they want for themselves. Uh, But now you've expanded and amplified that to an audience with the book and the podcast. How do you guys personally deal with, you know, being who you are, wanting more for others than than they want for themselves? (laughs) It's hard. It's it's hard. We we both have grown large sales teams in our industry. We're in the we're in the direct sales industry. And um, we you know, we have seen people over and over that we've just we, we see all their potential within them. And we always say, I'm going to keep believing in you until you believe in yourself and I'm not going to give up on you. But then you get to a certain point where you're like, they're never going to get out of this cycle. I mean, you could love on them and serve them as long as you you could ever breathe and yet they have to get themselves out of the cycle and so it's been for me i I don't have a a perfect answer for that because i just find that it's very hard and it makes me sad and because i just know that there's so much greatness in everybody and what amazes me is that they so many people have not been told that their whole life they didn't have a parent tell them that they didn't have a teacher tell them that you know, it's just, it kills me and it just makes you want to hug the world, but it's very present right now in our society. There's so much. Yeah. Here. You know, the older I get, I, well, the older I get, I was going to say that, you know, I can only the control younger, me. The younger and, you look and, and quit rubbing <laughs> it in. What'd you say? I said, the older you get, the younger you look and quit oh, yeah. rubbing it in. Hopefully that's the case too, right? Right. Like that's all. Yeah. But you know, I can only control what the way that I feel my heart is, you know, and and I, like Lisa said, like, you know, I can love on people and believe in them as much as they, as much as I believe that they can get to, and I'm not going to stop. So, you know, I mean, we've worked with so many people over the years that, you know, you kind of, you know, it, it, at this point in my life and in my career and with my family, it's like, I can only control what I can control and I'm going to stick to it. And I'm going to stick to believing in others, showing others, believing in them until they hopefully believe in themselves. And gosh, like that's, that's all I can do, you know, and, and pray that they, they do the same. And we pray for you to do the same for you. And I always tell people the three things that my one and my dad to tell me, which is, I love you. I'm proud of you. And I always have your back. And I know these two guys feel the same way. Uh, we share that in a mutual admiration and love society, the two Mikes and I. We absolutely adore both of you. We hope we do more content. Amplify the book. Amplify the pod. Go to idesidebook.com. Aaron Lopez and Lisa Cox, thanks for joining us. Please come back soon on this or other shows that we have for Office Hours. Thank you so much. Thank you. You guys are beautiful. Nice. Keep doing great. <laughs> Thank you. Excuse me. God, oh my gosh. Great energy. What a way to make an entrance, Michael Unbroken, you lucky dog. Here we go. The next up, a man who knows the community that we're building, doing it through retail and brand marketing. He's an expert and an author, has a new book called Moving Your Brand Out of the Friend Zone. Sounds like uh, <coughs> my career with uh, dating. A modern day guy in <laughs> your brand in the value Jeez, David, don't get all choked up i mean it's it's supposed to be a funny clever title it's not supposed to it know. is it is and i love somebody, it's somebody pinch well. in for him so he's, he's got to get the plug in clear at least so somebody pinch That's, in for him yeah mike i'm broken you're, you're back fresh from tony robbins and you plug that book appropriately i might be hanging out with mike uh diamond's kids 
Somehow yeah. I've got a cough all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, let's roll. Uh, Doug Zarkin promoted his amazing new book, Moving Your Brand Out of the Friend Zone, A Modern-Day Guide to Strengthening Your Brand's Value Equation. Lord knows in marketing today, we got to get a little more intimate and out of that friend zone. Hey, guys. How you, doing? That, you know, we know that distinction. Uh, welcome, by the way, Doug Zarkin. We know Thanks. that distinction in dating, you know, all joking aside, yeah. but, you know, what's the danger of a neighborhood of friends when we're talking about a community that's equated to brand building and value? Sure. So same basic premise, which I think is why, you know, when I wrote the book, I did the book in about 16 weeks. I wrote the title in about three minutes and the outline in about five. If we think about it as leaders, the most important thing in our business is being able to be predictable when it comes to forecasting. And if you think you have a more intimate relationship with your consumer, if they are, if you believe they are loyal, you're going to be aggressive in your forecast. You're going to handle your relationship with them in a certain way. If you go in for that kiss and they give you the Heisman, which literally is the same equivalent in dating, but in business, they've gone on to somebody else you're left now in a position of, oh my God, I thought my loyal base was loyal and they're not. Today's culture, being friends with your consumer is so commoditized. Think about what we do on our socials. We click, we like, it doesn't really mean we're engaging. We're kind of representing. And so how do we create depth of relationship to prevent that hot new something from stealing our consumers? It's passion and trust. And that's really the key to moving out of the friend zone. It's delivering passionate relationships and really earning trust with your consumers. Do you think that that's, that's it? Yeah, it's really great, Doug. Do you think that's the biggest problem? A lot of people with social media is they don't think that it is social. They just think let's go for likes. Let's just let me look good. And they don't actually engage and spend time actually looking at someone's post and go, Hey, oh, that's actually, that inspired me. Let me actually write something. Cause that's what I do. I'll, I'll, if I see something that inspires me or Dave or Mike does something, I don't randomly post. I engage and go, hey, yeah. that's, I, you know, I, or I tag it or I do post people's stuff constantly that inspire me. This is a great post. Do you think that's the biggest problem? I think that's a huge opportunity for brands to take a, a hard and fast look at performance matrix and social. I think the one platform where engagement is more authentic is probably LinkedIn. And it's, I, I, I shudder to put LinkedIn at the same level as Meta or Instagram. But if you think about it, you're scrolling through your feed, if something's funny, you just click on it. That doesn't mean that you've created a relationship with that person. It's something that entertains you for 35 seconds. For us as leaders, as we think about trying to forge that passionate relationship, how do we communicate what you mean to me as a consumer? And, and that kind of goes into something that's in the book that I call Thinking Human which is the notion of pretending that every consumer is your only consumer. How would you behave? How would you engage? How would you treat them when they called you on customer service screaming and yelling? Would you put them on hold? Would you make them have it, having to hit agent, agent, representative, representative? You wouldn't. You would take a completely different approach. You would play what I call small ball, which is it's less about automation. It's more about intimacy. The good news is you don't have to sacrifice. It's not an either or, it's an and. And when brands find that sweet spot, you get advocates. You don't just get friends, you get advocates. And that's really the key to creating brand love is to turn customers into advocates who will create for you the most effective marketing tool on the planet, which has absolutely nothing to do 
with video or audio, it's word of mouth. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow, your reputation is your most effective tool. Our job is how do we use these new shiny tools to drive our reputation? Yeah, look, home run right there, Doug. And I, I think that has always held true. And people have leveraged social media as a, a way to not create that connection, which is if you look at the statistics around loneliness in the United States, it actually makes a lot of sense that people have leaned that direction. I heard somebody ask me an amazing question last week. They said, if you could only build your brand on word of mouth, what would you do? And so for these people who are so trapped into social and post and creating the most ideal, real, and they're just missing the, where are people like really missing the mark and brand? You know, what you did with pink is unbelievable right and you look at that as a huge flag because you create this secondary brand that is as familiar in the united states at least as its uh, parent company what what are people really missing when it comes to brand and building consumer relationships i, I think it it stems from understanding what a brand is you know it's interesting um i've had the privilege of, of teaching at at a number of Ivy League institutions. I've also had the opportunity to teach at my daughter's high school. High school was a lot more terrifying than Harvard. Um, what's interesting is when you ask the question is what is the difference between a product and a brand, you get diatribes. A brand is really nothing more than a shared set of ideals and values, emotions, attitudes, feelings, and perceptions. How that brand is represented is where you get into consistency, iconography, language, communication. but people i think especially today lose sight of what a product is versus what a brand is think about in the music world how many bands have a one-hit wonder where they think they are now a brand what they're not is they had a great song you know they had one great song maybe two great songs how many fidget spinners did we buy in 2018 like millions of them we all have them tell me where they are now they're in some draw somewhere and then they came out with the fidget cube and it didn't sell anything that's all about not understanding where you stand in the mind of the consumer and not understanding what your brand is all about. There are some amazing examples in society today of great brands. And there are some horrible examples of brands, brands that what I would call are in the brand hate area that still are very profitable, but people just hate them. Yeah, Doug, um, I'm going to sneak one extra question in before we bring Barat on. Um, yeah. You know, I see brand as a community and always have. And my objective, mostly when I was in the sports world, building a brand around a Steve Young, Warren Moon, Troy Aikman, a Clemente, Jackie Robinson, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, was to build a community based off of what's included in your title uh, that is more pragmatic than clever, which is the value equation. And when we can articulate value to exceed what we're asking to our community, we can create this community of people that not only want to help each other, but know people that can help each other. In other words, when we create a very strong value equation of delivering more value than we're asking for, uh, we create a community of people, which is a brand that buys from us and sells for us for life. Yeah. Uh, as long maintain the appropriate ability to articulate that quantitative value through marketing and, and branding, then we will maintain, sustain, or grow 
uh, exponentially a community of people that want to help each other, know people that help each other, buy from us and sell for us, uh, which is the most important exponential uh, value of that community. How today, with the combination of traditional and social, do we build that community of people that not only will buy from us, but sell for us? Um, with ultimate humility and arrogance combined. The arrogance nice. resides in believing that you as a marketer can do what marketing is supposed to do. Marketing's job is not to sell product. Marketing's job is to motivate the consumer to do what you would like them to do, to take the action you would like them to take when you would like them to take it. Marketing's job is to create the handshake. Operations job is to create the hug. So you have to be bold in believing that you can get into the mindset of your consumer. The humility is in recognizing where you fall in their life. And the biggest, I would say, violator of that humility is when you look at CRM platforms that brand have. How many times do you really want to hear from a brand in a month, in a week? Think about how many times you want to hear from your in-laws, okay? You know, getting an email from a brand every single week becomes intrusive. And then you add in SMS, and then you add in the resurgence of direct mail. The ability to look at the transaction is the beginning of the relationship, not the end of the relationship, sets the paradigm. The humility comes in and recognizing where you fall in their life. If you are something that impacts their life every single day for the good, you have an opportunity to engage more frequently than if you are a once a year or once a lifetime product. And I think where marketers and brand leaders have to err is on the side of caution. Create value that comes from understanding not only what they want, but what they need. Every time you engage, it's not an opportunity to sell something. It's an opportunity to strengthen your value equation. Brand value in the book equals experience divided by price. If I'm giving you information to make your use of my product better for you, I don't have to hit them up with an offer. It's the game of tennis. Yes, you win some points on your serve, but you rally, you set your player up for, to win the point. CRM is a tennis match. You have to think about it as are you setting your consumer up to eventually do what you want them to do? One, incremental. Two, advocate. But as a brand, if you think human, if you really put that humanity at the core of what you do, you're not going to lose. I agree. And your success is absolutely uh, the credibility in uh, the book and uh, the ideas that are within that book. Not to screw up the promotion of it, it's moving your brand out of the friend zone. A modern day guide to strengthening your brand's value equation. That's without choking tears, just a value equation in itself. A man who delivers more value than he asks for every single day, an intimate relationship with our community and others. Thank you, Doug Zarkin. Please come back and join us soon. Honor to be on your show, guys. Thanks a lot. Have a great night. Great job, man. Very enlightening. Love it. All right, I get an MBA for a day and a man who teaches at Harvard Penn, Columbia, he's feeding us great knowledge. And so does our next guest, the general manager of facilities at Matrix Care in Atlanta, Georgia, matrixcare.com. Bharat Montero, welcome office hours. Thank you very much, David. It's, an, it's really an honor, you know, in preparation for this, I kind of looked at some of the past guests and I was like, wow, how did David accept me? Uh, I haven't published any books. I haven't taught at Harvard, but uh, hey, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Well, anyone that is applying AI uh, to the medical care space is important to me because if we can create 
the efficiencies in a system that is historically, traditionally so inefficient, and the results are the impact of saving lives and making people's lives better, uh, that certainly puts you at the top of our list to have you on here because we're creating a community of people that want to give service and a value to others and vice versa. Uh, there's so many uh, ongoing innovations today in post-acute care uh, that we can change more lives and keep the cost down. And that's something that we historically have not been able to do. But with people like you, executives like you, we're actually able to do that. What are some of the ways today uh, that Matrix Care is utilizing innovation to lower those costs, but yet save more lives? No, thanks. Thanks for the question, David. And um, let me kind of set the context a little bit. So we focus on the senior living and long-term care space, right? So if you think about um, by the year 2030, about one in five Americans will be the will be over the age of 65. And these folks are going to go into either a independent living, an assisted living, or a skilled nursing type facility, right? Um, now, what's happening is this industry is really plagued with a trifecta of um, an aging population that has more complexities in their disease types, right? I think uh, by again, by 2030, uh, the seniors who are there will have a minimum of three different chronic diseases, not just one, right? The second issue that's plaguing this industry is this acute labor shortage. And then the third one is um, just the declining reimbursement. So that's kind of the context. And I want to talk about one topic, which is really near and dear to my heart, which is resident or patient falls, right? Um, now, very recently, a dear friend of mine, her mother had to be moved into a senior living community because she couldn't care for her at home. And within the first week, this lady fell, broke her hip, went to the hospital, had surgery, came back out, fell a second time, blunt force trauma to the head, died. Right. So we know that the average senior facility has about 2.6 falls per patient. So let's just let's understand that that means every person in a senior living facility is going to fall at least once. Right now, a very large percentage of these falls can actually be fatal. So one angle is actually losing a loved one in a senior care facility. But here's a second aspect to it. The cost of these falls can vary as high as $300,000, $400,000 per facility, right? Almost about thirty dollars to $40,000 per individual. Now, in an environment where there's a huge pressure around availability of funds to take care of our seniors, Here's an opportunity for us to really jump in and make a difference, right? So, so today, David, that's the area I want to talk about. Um, imagine the power. I mean, we all used the word chat GPT, AI, ML. That's the new buzzword now, right? But imagine applying this predictive analytics and stratification of risk to identify which resident has the highest risk of fall and taking action proactively. 
And that's exactly what we've been able to do. We've looked at the electronic medical records or the EHR as we call it. And each resident, we call them residents, not patients, but each resident has over 150 to 200 data points. We've taken these data points, run it through a algorithm, and we are now able to stratify patients with the highest risk of fall and inform the operator and say, hey, you know, David has a higher propensity for falls than Mike. Do something about it, right? And you can proactively do something, which is really what our caregivers want to do. And so we ran an experiment uh, for the last about nine and a half, 10 months. Uh, 200 different providers came on board and we used our product, which we call Clinical Advanced Insights. And over this nine, 10 month period, we've had some of our customers report out publicly disclose that they have reduced a thousand falls. They have reduced 370 falls. The total cohort reduced about 8% of falls in that trial period. That's resulting in, in close to about $100,000 worth of savings per building, right? And again, that's just the beginning. If you're able to leverage artificial intelligence not only can we talk about falls, we can talk about onset of depression. We can talk about the past, the probability of someone returning to the hospital because of an infection that's coming on, right? So again, I want to just set that as the as the as the talk track, if you will, and, and see what questions that either of you may have to answer or take this anywhere you want to go. That's mind-blowing. My friend's uh, mother actually fell twice and died. Mm -hmm. And um, and then they always say they're around 65. If you're not exercising or walking up to that age, it's a very high risk, 70 or 80% that you may fatally die from a femur because you'll break a femur a hit. Mm -hmm. Is it, this is incredible information, especially like for Alzheimer's, for depression, this is brilliant work. Do you get any blowback? Like are people resistant to the technology and why? Because this is just so incredible to, which just, advanced it's so advanced yeah. and it just cuts down it's just information do you get any blowback yeah no that's a system? fantastic question mike you know i guess there are two types of individuals out there one type say hey doesn't matter if i'm doing badly if you can show me how to improve i want to be i want to get that right and there's another group of people that say whoa hang on if we knew this was going to happen, and for a variety of reasons, including labor shortage, including lack of enough funding, if I am not able to do something about it, does that make even a larger case for the lawyers who come and sue me because grandma fell, right? And, you know, I have screamed from the top of my lungs that if you can make an impact on one person, you're still better off. Right. And I think those organizations who think more proactively, those organizations that say, hey, we're not perfect. We know we have mistakes. We'll use any help we can get. They are the ones seeing the results. So I think to answer your question, Mike, I think um, it's still a battle. It's still a battle for me and my team. We're trying to convince them and say, hey, it's OK. It's not a legal issue. It's not a, oh, now we're able to kind of show all our uh, uh, all the dirty laundry to the lawyers so they can come after us. It's more about, hey, we've taken these efforts and look, in spite of this, unfortunately something happened. Like what more can we do, right? So yes, we do get some 
we do get some skeptics, uh, but I'm I'm hoping that through forums like this, we're gonna change the minds of many. I'm so curious if there's any future application to this being something at a consumer level. You know, you hear about how many people get hurt or die in their own home every single day. Uh, obviously, slip and fall is the number one cause of death when you or choking to death if you're a single man living in your 30s in las vegas um that is also an opportunity is there anything that that you see on a consumer level coming from this in the future yes absolutely so two different uh two different areas so one is if you think about the world we live in today everything is ambient sensor based you walk into a room lights come on you speak lights come on right um so again a part of our business matrix care, we have a product uh, called True Care, where we actually put in radar-based sensors in the room. Now the radar, think of the radar, if, if, if you think about an X-ray image, right? You can't really see the face, but you can kind of make out the body. That's the image that's being captured. So there's no facial recognition, there's an image recognition. And we're able to actually look at the gait, the movements and the steps of the individual and based on their gait and their stability, we're able to predict that Michael is unstable while walking. So they, he has a higher propensity of falling, right? So um, we've, we've installed these in what we call our life planning communities, which is more of a, it's hosted by a community, but it's part of a consumer area. Um, I think the challenge, Michael, is Let's say tomorrow we make it available to the public, right? And you can go on you know, Amazon or wherever and, and buy a ambient sensor like that. What's the follow through? What's the network or the safety net after something happens, right? So then we would have to say, hey, here's a ambient sensor for your mother who's living by herself at her home. But if we detect that something's gonna happen, who do we alert? Do we alert the son? To alert the, the, the family member. And by the way, what will they do about it, right? Yeah. So I think that part of the equation hasn't been solved yet, but in a setting where caregivers are available, whether it's on premise in a building or whether it's in a, a community, um, these are already available and can be used. But I think that's the next frontier. And I just to add, as we finish up, you know, just raising awareness to what is a misnomer in healthcare, meaning, you know, I was told at 50, hey, cardio is great, Dave, but more people die from falling than heart attacks. So work on your balance when you're 50. So when you're 90, uh, it's just in this three quarters of, of your mind, you have a, a statistical success in staying balanced if you've been doing balancing exercises for 40 years. Uh, and so I think that's an area beyond in preventative medicine that when we're young, start incorporating, you know, balance, for example, mm -hmm. into routines as much as lifting weights or hot yoga or whatever it may be uh, incorporated. Bharat Montero changing the face of longevity uh, by providing necessary innovations and information to help everyone. Uh, the number one priority of your life being healthy. If you're healthy, you get as many wishes as you want. And if you're unhealthy or those that you love are unhealthy, we only have one wish. Uh, thank you for providing so many wishes to so many. Bharat Montero, come back and join us, the general manager of the facilities at Matrix Care 
matrixcare.com. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity to spread the good word. Bye-bye. Great to have you. Thank you. Have you back. All right, boys. It's good to have the group all in the same country. Uh, I think we are, but more Can I say this? Yeah. When you go on here, we got weird with the women, but he went, where? And you're like, in your apartment. Imagine if you were in his apartment in another room. And he did Such a weirdo, me. Mike. <laughs> so good. I love, that's I love that. So I love that you're weirdo. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, welcome back. Oh, I'm a real um, weirdo. I'm a real weirdo. You know that. True. <laughs> I like that about you. That's why I picked you to do this with me. So good. I needed someone that's weirder than I am. But more importantly, <laughs> we, we can rename the show Weirdos. Uh, anyway, weirdos. take takeaways from the weirdos today. You, remember the Coneheads? We could be the three weirdos. Uh, yeah. That's sorry. Yeah. Well, everyone was so good, but there was a great thing that I loved, and you know. Sorry, it's going to sound rude, but like you, you can't carry people. You got to set boundaries. You know what I mean? Give people the information. And if they're not willing to do the work, love them for where they're at. But you can you can get them started and you can show them, but you can't carry them. And, and, and another thing is really important for going into this new year. I don't have resolutions. I just do the work and you guys do the same. It's like the people you start with along the way may have to kick them off the bus. Okay, so know where you're going and you may have to bring other team members on and that's okay. Just keep moving forward. You know what I mean? But don't carry people. Give them what they need and if they don't, move on and keep moving forward. Nice. Yeah. Michael Unbroken, welcome back. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'd love to be able to connect with you tonight if we can make it happen. Um, I uh, For me, it was what Doug said. Like, I, I love this idea, and, and you've done such a great job of it, David and Mike. You guys are great measurements for this of building true community and letting your fans be your number one salespeople. And that is something that is a constant, constant reminder for me of the importance of taking care of the people who take care of you. And I think that no matter where we are in our business ventures, no matter where we are in our careers, if we forget that we are serving people, um, I think we're in trouble. And, and that was a beautiful reminder. Yeah. Yeah. My original takeaway was going to be community of people that buy from each other and sell for each other that all three of us do for each other. But I think inherent in that is another takeaway that's difficult for all of us as coaches. And it's beyond wanting for others more than we want for that. We want more for them than they want for themselves. It, it comes to a place of respect and prioritization for others' prioritization. That, you know, we may want more for others than they want for themselves, but we have to respect people who prioritize things that we don't agree with, sleeping in or, you know, drugs or a diet or not exercising or, you know, not having relationships with their families or there, there's so many things that we put judgments on. And I think you know, inherent in wanting more for other people than they want for themselves can also create forgiveness in the fact that, hey, you know what? I respect other people's priorities, even if they're completely divergent from mine. So they may actually want more for themselves than I want for them. They just want more of what I think is bad for them. And I'm not respecting their priorities or their values just because my behaviors have helped me and millions of other people doesn't mean behavior is going to help them. 
And so there's this kind of respect in other people's priorities, even if you disagree with the progress that it, you think it's going to create in their lives. Maybe it'll progress them to make a decision and learn a lesson that then moves them more than you can move them as a mentor or a coach or a healthcare provider, an author or a speaker uh, or a marketer, uh, a brand uh, person as well. So uh, respect the priorities of others and be there to be proud of them, to love them. And that is inherent in having their back. And I love you guys. I'm proud of you and I always have your back even though I think your priorities are all fucked up. Okay. <laughs> you don't want to see my 2024 goals, David. <laughs> I love you guys. Thank you so much. Did I say the F word? Who am I? Gary V? What's the heck? Gary. Uh, anyway, I, I apologize for the F word. It slipped in. All right. Yeah. I'll talk to you guys. See you guys. Awesome. All right, everyone. We're in Vegas. Uh, we're here for a few more hours. Hopefully, I'll see Michael and Broken going to the NFL event, which Michael can come join us. And then at the Fountain Blue, the grand opening, uh, the who's who of everyone, black tie affair this evening. And then we're going to fly late back to be in my 4 a.m. workout tomorrow morning, improving my balance, my cardio, my strength, and my incredible good looks. Remember, email me, david at dmelter.com. Remember, be more interested than interesting. And most of all, remember, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you later, alligator. All righty. Have a good